Welcome to the Dirt Buzz. I'm your host, Dale Spangler. Before I get started with this week's episode, I just want to give a shout out to everybody out there who's listened to the show already. I really appreciate it. I'm having an absolute blast with this podcast, being able to share the many stories of people out there in our industry that have been around for a long time, that have a ton of good stories to tell. And so I really appreciate it. And anybody who's reached out with words of encouragement and advice, it's much appreciated. So look for more awesome guests coming down the pipeline. I've got many people lined up, so it's going to be fun. And I'm determined to keep putting these out every, every week. So look for new episodes on Mondays. Speaking of on Mondays, I send out my weekly emailer on Mondays, so if you're liking what I'm doing with the show, um, consider signing up. If you head to dirtbuzz.com, you'll see a pop-up that asks if you want to sign up, or uh, you can scroll to the bottom of the page, homepage, and uh, there's a sign-up form there. So consider signing up. Really appreciate it. Uh, my guest on this episode is Tony Wink, owner of Riverside Raceway in Winterset, Iowa. He's also a former host and one of the co-creators of the Pit Pass radio show, and he's a lifelong racer and industry brand representative for companies such as Weisco Piston. Tony Wink, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? What's up, Mangler? It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. So what do you got going on, man? I see these photos all the time of this incredible black dirt that you have at Riverside Raceway. Holy cow, man. That doesn't make you want to ride. I don't know what will. No kidding, right? So, and I look at it every day, and I I ride the track less than anybody. So when I actually do go racing, everybody's like, "Yeah, he won," or you, you know, I beat Tony at his own tracks. Like, dude, I don't <laughs> even ride the thing. So, um, so I I started the motocross track. It's in Winterset, Iowa, where I'm from, and it's called Riverside Raceway. I started it when I was like 21 or something. And, uh, you know, I was doing arena crosses, if you remember, and barely making the shows, you know, and when Buddy would lap me like three, four times in a night in the main event, it was like, this isn't going anywhere. And so I, I, I broke my wrist one year and I asked my dad, I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I don't want to go get a job and I want to work my ass off, but I don't want to get a job. And he's like, do something with dirt bikes. It's what you like. And he said, go work at the shop, which he used to own a local, the local Kawasaki Suzuki dealership. He didn't at the time, but he said, go work there. And I'm like, that'd be the death of me waiting for somebody to come in and <laughs> to buy a poop, poop wheeler axle off me or something, you know, for their quad or something. I'm like, that ain't me, dude. So um, we needed a dirt bike track. We needed a motocross track in the area. And I saw, so I, I got that cooking and, and uh, in three years, I came to my senses and sold the place. And cause it was just all you do, you know, when you're starting anything, it's, it ain't just during the week. It's, it's, I mean, I literally slept on the bull turn after the first turn, there was a big bull turn that was sweet. And I slept on that thing more than one night, just got so tired. You just lay down. People thought I was on drugs cause I worked so hard there, but, um, it was a good payday when I sold it. And then, um, it changed hands a couple of times and motocross was a little flat in uh 2014-15 in our area and uh 
the guy was ready to just bail on the thing and turn it into a, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of neighbors that would have bought it just to not listen to dirt bikes. And, um, I didn't want to see that happen. So I bought it back in the spring of 15 and now we've just, I've reinvested so much into this place and, and really, I mean, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount, you know, everybody grows up and they learn in, in business and that kind of thing. So I've still made some mistakes since 2015, but overall it's been the growth of it. It's been really sweet. And we've got, um, we've had a regional there last year. We got a regional there this year for Loretta's. We've had several area qualifiers and it's always had area qualifiers. And for the most part, I've always been involved in them over the years that this place has been involved or been, been alive. And, um, we've got the, uh, uh, this week, you know, coming up, we got the Verb Moto, uh, the Dirt Bikes are Dope Shred Tour, which they they are doing something in diff- a different state every year or every month. So, uh, going to be that's going to be a cool event, I think. And then uh, the the thing that we really hang our hat on is the Justin Brayton Shootout, which is yeah. May May 14th through the 16th this year, and it's always kind of the same weekend. And Brayton and I have been buddies. Um, he was, I was a local a rider at the time and he was like 14 and whipping everybody's butt on a, you know, just from the B class. And, and, um, he and I just kept in contact and he raced down there as a kid. And, um, in his twilight of his career, he's, he's like, I want to do something, kind of bring something back home. And so we got together and we did that. Dude, it's been last year we had it with the Friday practice. Saturday, Sunday races, we had 1,834 entries. Wow. That was at the Brayton one? At the Brayton shootout? Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so I called Tim Cotter and I'm like, hey, if you're looking, because, you know, last year with the COVID stuff, they couldn't have, they didn't have the areas. They just had the regionals. And yeah. I said, I've worked with the emergency management people here in my county. I've, we've worked with the governor here in our in our state and the local sheriff. We're dialed. We're We're open for business. And Tim's like, We'll see how your Brayton thing goes. And I was on the news and it wasn't like high five and Tony. It was, it was people calling in saying that that guy shouldn't be allowed to run. And we did all kinds of stuff. Like we had a thousand ink pens that we were wiping down with alcohol and mass. And we don't, and we don't even, you know, we've changed the way we've done business per, per uh, forever, you know, for permanently, we don't go in the sign up shit anymore. We've created a situation where people can be outside and social distance and all that stuff. And whether you believe in that or not, it has really been a blessing for us to have to focus on our business and figure out how we can streamline things. And, um, but anyway, we, so we, we, uh, it was a good little, uh, step for us to, um, Tim Cotter called who runs Loretta Lynn's program and said, do you want to do a regional? And I said, and I, I was literally laying in bed the Monday after the Justin Brayton shootout, 1800 entries is a lot for any track, but for oh, me, yeah. it was, we got our asses whipped. Right. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh, when? And he's like, Oh, next weekend. And I go, okay. And I mean, I was next just like, weekend. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm like, I'm going to sleep for two weeks after this, you know, and I can, cause we made a pile of money and it's going to be great. And I, uh, I started texting and calling people. I'm like, you got to come back. We got to go. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. And I go, and, I, and we, at the time we didn't know. I mean, so they split the regions in threes now. So it used to be a, a, a youth and an amateur and they get 900 entries at each. Now he, they've split it up. So it's got youth, amateur and vet and the vet gets the old, us old guys, the women, 
the pro sport and a handful of others. It's an easy program. And honestly, after running the Brayton thing, like I had to slow the program down. I was actually doing dirt work in between motos that really could have waited. It was sweet because people are like, holy crap, your track is so good, you know, but I was only doing that because the plus 40 guys needed a break because there was only a few, there wasn't that many races, you know, yeah. that many classes that we had to hammer through. And uh, so anyway, yeah, it's, we, we pulled that off and then um, it's funny. He, he called me and says, Hey, would you uh, be interested in a regional again? And I said, well, a real one or the vet? And he goes, oh, the vet. And I go, yeah, I'll take it. And the very next day they released the schedule and I was on it. And I'm like, what was he going to do? What was he oh, going to do? God. You know, but it's awesome. I'm I'm glad to be a part of that program. And and um, you know, I raced Loretta's in 2019, and I mean, I I was hustling. I was 300 pounds when I decided I'm gonna not. I'm gonna get in shape and I'm gonna I'm gonna go kick ass on dirt bikes again. And I saw uh, that I saw yeah, that man. Yeah, I was like, so I, I lost. Um. I don't know. I was two, 300. And when I went to Loretta's, I think I was 229 or something. And I still yeah. looked at myself and thought, God, you're a fat ass. But, but people are like, didn't even recognize me and stuff, you know? And I went down there and got eighth in the, in the plus 40. And that was with Mike Brown and all them guys. And so um, last year I decided I was going to go again. We'd had a baby. So I'd spent the winter in uh, at club, uh, club 57, which is, Brad Jeraminski's deal at WW Ranch and got made fun of. So you can go ahead and make fun of me now for because I, I was training with a bunch of kids, but it was super fun. <laughs> but but my back gave out. So I ended up having a back surgery. And then um so then when I come in 20, 2020, I was a little fat, not too bad, a little fat and uh um not really ready, but I went ahead and raced the the regional and I mean, I got like third at my own track, which is kind of embarrassing, but I didn't care. Those guys were cooking. And those are guys that I raced with at Loretta's that came. And, and so, uh, when they told me I had to wear a mask, I do, I do work with Wiseco and they told yeah. me I was going to have to wear a mask in the booth and it's like 110 down there. And I said, you ain't got enough money in your piggy bank to pay me to stand there. <laughs> and, there. and in 110 degree weather with a mask on, I said, I'm not going. And, uh, even Alex at AMH called me. She's like, what do you mean? You're not, I didn't see your entry. And I go, I'm not going, I'm not, I threw my, you know, I threw my fit and stopped yeah. my feet and said, I ain't going. So I, I took last year off from Loretta's, which so what? And, uh, I mean, it's the plus 40 class, you know, it's not like it's, we're the guys that everybody rolls their eyes out anyway. Like, why are they Just out a bunch there? of ex-pros, you know, that rode supercross and motocross. That may swear. That's like every year that those classes just get, you look at them and you go, holy shit, it's a bunch of, People okay. Probably got top tens, you know, and so, outdoor so, nationals. All right. So Spangler, here's the deal though. They came out with the rule. It's a sportsman class this year. Oh, so uh, that's pretty, right. So now there's 12 guys in, in 19, 2019. There's 12 guys that, that had scored pro points. I got eight. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's on now. I'm going to go racing. Well then I, I spent the winter. We, we, uh, I, there's these cheap flights that are direct out of Des Moines down to Lake Havasu. Well, they're actually to Vegas, but I kept my sprinter van and some dirt bikes like XR six fifties and a side by side, you know, like beer drinking bikes and things you ride to the Mexican dinner and that kind of thing on. And I spent my winter doing that down there with my buddy that moved down there. And, um, 
you know, I took the family as much as they could go. And then I just would kind of ping pong back and forth. It didn't. And, and even while I was there, it's funny because uh, Bradshaw, came, Damon Bradshaw came down one week and, and hung out with us and rode. And I ran every day I was at Lake Havasu. But I get drunk sometimes before we, we I'm like, it's almost bedtime. I'm hammered drunk. I've eaten 25 tacos, but I swore I'd run a minimum of a mile every day. So Bradshaw's <laughs> got his tumbler or whatever it is that he hangs up. You know, he always got that that thing in his hand. It looks like a coffee mug, but it's got a little something else in it. And he's <laughs> he he's on his mountain bike. And I I mean, I'm like slapping my feet, just about to puke. And he's he's like he's like, come on, man, I'm barely pedaling. You're so fat. Let's go. And I'm and it's black, pitch black out, you know. And um it's just funny. I, 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 I had very good intentions, but looking back, I remember one time Damon was working on his bike, getting ready to go ride. And it was kind of raining. So we were just kind of dragging our feet. We all went to dairy queen for breakfast and had peanut butter parfaits. So it's like for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's like, I, I tried, but I really didn't try. I wasn't focused, but, um, so I kind of, you know, I've, I've, you know, we went to Loretta's last weekend for the spring ride and rode and we partied and hung out and, you know, and it's like the good got good barbecue down there. And it's like, I struggle with my weight so badly. So I, uh, I went racing yesterday. We went to this track called Oak Ridge, which is right up the road about a hundred miles. And they had the area and I have to race the area to race my own regional, which is in June at my own track. And I went there and, uh, I rode the plus 30. So they have, you only get two sight laps, which I, absolutely disagree with any racetrack doing that but they all do it at these qualifiers really so you either, yeah so you either go ride practice on friday sit on your ass on saturday and do nothing because they don't have a class for you to race and then race sunday with the two site laps or in my situation i would have went friday road practice come home worked on my track or whatever i do hang out with family and then go back on sunday and i'm just like i ain't doing that i'm and my buddy who runs the marketing at Race Tech, he's like Chris Riesenberg. You probably know him. He goes, yeah. I was talking to him. He works with me a bunch with the track on marketing stuff. And he's like, dude, it's the plus forty. You got to get sixth place. How hard is it? Just go. And I went, just go on Sunday. And I go, you're right. But then when I get there, I'm a racer, you know. And oh yeah, you want to win every time you line up, right? Yeah, I don't want some guy running his mouth saying he beat me. So, um. We freaking get there, and, and me and my buddy came. He rode along with me. He's not a racer or nothing, but he's just like, "You gonna win this?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm gonna win this thing." I haven't seen the track. They completely changed the whole thing and uh, pulled the whole shot in the plus thirty. I even give myself a fist pump in the first turn. I missed the first turn. I go. I almost hit the dozer. I went around. <laughs> I go around <laughs> the thing, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm off the track." And uh, it's just funny. I I. Uh, I ended up winning the, the plus 40 pretty easily. I came from like 11th, the first moto, past the two guys that were decent. Everybody else is pretty slow. And then um, the second moto, I thought I had the start. And then them, them guys wanted it more than me. They kept it on in the first turn and pinched me off. And Dude, the roost there is like a shotgun. I'm telling you, it's like getting shot with, with a machine gun of golf balls. And I'm like, I am passing these guys. And so I, I did a little Ricky Bobby and slingshot engage, went around them guys. And then I was gassed and I'm like, Oh shit, I'm out of shape bad. And I could see it, you know, cause I'm like 
240, so you know, like low 240s right now. So I can see like I'm I'm a fat ass and at 229 I'm looking pretty good. So um I definitely got some work to do. I come home and I was shot. I like I went home, went to work at the track, and I'm moving boards off a trailer because I had to haul my skid, and I'm like, I can barely lift my arms. So it was a wake up call. I gotta You'll get it back though. You know how it is. Like it's like the muscle memory thing. Like it want I mean, yeah, you're winded, but you still know how to ride. You know, I mean that's the that's the hardest part. Oh, we so. got four months, dude. It sounds like oh, a long yeah. time, but I'm forty three. It's not like yeah. it's I, that's true. I need some some of them I need juice or something. I just <laughs> something in the plus forty class. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, hey, you know, so I was just, I've made a note here, but I think it's interesting. The more I think about it, I remember when I saw that event take happen last year, the, the Justin Brayton, and I was just like, holy shit, like Tony hit a home run. Like, I just yeah. couldn't believe I was seeing these videos and these photos of just how many people were there. Like the pro class was like, shit, full. wasn't there like 34? Yeah, it was like, holy shit, man. Like, it was full what, gates. What? Everything was full gates. It was, it was insane. And we actually had to run qualifiers and stuff in which... We're not practiced at, and yeah, you know, you know, what's crazy, Dale, is, is uh, yes, I mean, like I've got another business that uh, I sell fireworks, which is kind of an interesting story how we got going in that. But I've been really blessed in that, and this motocross track, like I never imagined, we had we had an event Easter weekend, and I would not run on Sunday. People were screaming, "We need to run on Sunday too," and I just said, "No, we're not." So we had a practice on Friday. And our pit bike race and a Stasic race on on Friday night, which has grown into be a huge deal, and um, and then a race on Saturday with the two days, not including the pit bikes and all the Stasics and everything else, just actual on the real track. We had eleven hundred entries for two days, so it's I don't know what's going on. I think everybody's enjoying good turnouts, um, but yeah. Uh, I also think though that you're you're one of those guys though like you underpromise and overdeliver. And so I kind of feel like that's what's you're just it's just building, you know, the snowballs getting bigger, you know, as you put these events on and I mean, I also like I just I just think it's cool that I didn't know that like you put all these extra, you know, like covid protocols in place, you know? Like I I think that's something a lot of people probably don't know. Cause it's easy to like pick that up and judge, judge it and go, what are they doing? You know, like we're in the middle of a pandemic and he's having this huge event, but they didn't, I didn't know like things like that. You put all those extra protocols in place so that to make it more safe and you talk to your, you know, whatever the, the local city and you got everything approved. So I, I think that's pretty interesting story. Yeah. It's, it was a pain in the ass. I'll tell you. And, uh, but it was, it was a good learning lesson for me and for our staff and, and I've, you know, I had COVID and, uh, it's not, I don't think it's the boogeyman for most of us, but it is for some and, and it'll just take whoever it decides to. And yep. I don't, I don't give a shit how you vote, how you, whatever. I know people that died from COVID and I know a lot mm -hmm. of people that had COVID that didn't know they had COVID until they got tested. And I'm one of them. And, you know, we had it in our house and my lady had it and she had symptoms and she works for a heart doctor, you know, place. And so she like court, you know, those people are all susceptible to being, you know, if you got heart issues, you don't want COVID. And so yeah, they, um, so she had to get tested and she come back positive. So I went and got the test and I come back positive. And it was actually, 
I shouldn't say this because they may listen, but uh, I was scheduled to go to Wiseco out in Ohio for like three days. And I kept telling Scott, my boss, I'm like, I think a day and a half is plenty, Scott. I don't think I need to be there for three days. And he's like, no, no, it'll be good for three days. Well, I've been there for three days. And on the third day, they're like, what are we going to do with Tony? Like he's, he's an <laughs> HR nightmare. We don't want him in the office anymore. We can't he's tell him an to HR go. nightmare. <laughs> yeah. We don't want him to go go-kart. And like, we don't want to pay him to do that. What are we going to do? You know? And it's like, we stick him in the back and have him sort pistons or what are we, you know, what are we going to do? So, um, <laughs> I was scheduled to be there. And then when I found out there's a mask mandate, I about lost my shit. I'm like, I, how am I going to not have to do that for three days? And then I got COVID and I'm like, yes, I have COVID. <laughs> so then I went and, um, Oh my gosh. I know my fireworks store is, is my mom and dad's old bike shop. When I was a kid, it's a 7,500 square foot building. And it's, I decked out this one room to work on dirt bikes and made it a real bitch and shop. You know, it's like, it's got a lift and it's got uh, a purple chandelier from the gay bar that closed. It's got the, uh, the original country cycle sign. It's got pictures of me when I was a kid racing frame. It's got pictures of Damon Bradshaw, just me and Justin Brayton when we were younger. And, you know, it's really, and I framed all these pictures and that's what I did during COVID. Instead of going to Wiseco, I spent all the time decking that thing out. And it's a really neat shop. Yeah, it's a really neat shop. And uh, and that's the barn, right? That was like part of your family, right? For that you turned into. Yep. That? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a big red building, and it looks like a fire. I mean, we painted it red and white. It looks like a fireworks store now. You know, it's like it's awesome. But um, I rent the back a little portion of it in the back to the um, energy company. You know, it's called Mid American Energy, and they they rent a space off of me, which is really good deal for me because they're never there and they, they always pay. And and then the rest is just fireworks and dirt bikes. And it's, um, I got a little office in there and it's got a leather couch from my dad's house. When he died, we took it out and, you know, and it's like super comfy. So if I need to slip away, I just turn the phone off and go in there and it's dark and I take a little nap during the day. And, and, and uh, I really love that deal. I really love that place. And, and with COVID having it, uh, being able to deck it out and focus on it. Cause I had to, I had to stay away from everybody. It was, man, I worked till two in the morning every day. Yeah. I was working on a place. I had a ball. I always wondered about the fireworks. And then I, I did, you know, find the story that was in like a local paper or something that's, you know, was talking about, you know, it was in the family and that portion of the profits goes back towards putting a fireworks event on for winter set. Right. Yeah. So we do. Um, so when I was, my dad always had, my dad had a really really neat spread where he lived and his farm. And I mean, it looked like, remember that show Dallas where you, the big white built white house with the white oh, yeah. fence. And all, yeah, so that his place looked like that. I mean, it's beautiful. And he had plenty of field for people to park. And so he would feed thousand plus people and, um, and P and he would put it in the newspaper. Everyone's invited come and Winterset doesn't to this day, still doesn't have a fireworks show. And it's a town of like 5,500 people. It doesn't make any sense why they don't have a fireworks show. There absolutely is no reason for them to not put on a fireworks show for the 4th of July. But nobody cares. And so the city council don't give a shit. The, the supervisors don't care. And so I think it's cool. My dad, obviously, my dad always put on the fireworks show. And he'd always go to Missouri two hours, two hours plus to go buy his fireworks. And I remember coming home and he'd be like, smoking his cigarette, you know, with a van completely full of fireworks. And I'm like, you're nuts, dad. And he's like, you're right. So he gets an enclosed trailer. He starts pulling them with that. And, uh, 
I never let them off because I'm like, you guys are going to blow yourselves up. There's no, I'm not doing that. So I just hang out and watch with my girlfriend or whoever, you know? And, uh, and so the, you know, that was kind of a deal that my dad always did. And then my dad passed away in 17 and that was the year we raced the Baja 500 and, uh, and won it in the pro 30 class, me and Jason Thomas and a bunch of guys. And, uh, I remember I was down there and I, so they just, they just, uh, made it legal. They just passed the law that you could sell fireworks in the United, in, in Iowa. And so it had been outlawed since like the forties or something. And, um, so they, it was kind of like, everybody's talking about, Oh dude, if you could get in that business, if you get in that business, you know, it's like, like medical marijuana, it's going to be crazy. And I'm, I'm like, I want to be in that business and I'm not smart enough to figure out how to get all those permits and everything and licensing. But my attorney, Billy Mallory is smart enough. And my accountant, if they work together, I'll bet you they could get that done. And so I told them like, you guys work together, get this done. And so they're like, okay. And so I, I knew that black cat is a really strong name here for fireworks, for firecrackers anyway. And I knew like, if you think of fireworks, I think of black cat. And so I, I approached black cat and I said, I want to be your Iowa hub. I want to be your guy. And I ordered, I mean, a lot of money, a lot of money before I had my license. And they're like, what are you going to do if you don't have a permit with the state? We just checked. And I go, yeah, it's in the, it's in process right now. And they're like, what are you going to do if you don't get it done? And I said, I'm going to sell, I'm going to go buy a cube van and I'm going to go pedal this shit till it's gone. And they're like, that's illegal. And I go, yep, you're going to get in trouble. And I'm like, that ain't the first time I've heard this. So we're down racing the Baja 500 and I get a text from my attorney who sponsored the Baja 500 team. I mean, it cost him 50 grand between him and the local bike shop, Bart Hicklin, Hicklin Power Sports. Those guys, it cost him 50 grand, like legit 50,000 bucks. Billy ended up being busy. My attorney, my good friend couldn't go. So he ends up not even getting to go and enjoy it and have fun with it. He texts me. He's like, call me. Well, the phone wouldn't get through. I'm in an Ensenada, and I'm like, it won't go through. I go, we won. We won. And he's like, that's great. You need to get home. Your fireworks deal is, your permits are approved, and they have to do an inspection. And I'm like, I don't even have a location. What? What? Do you, I mean, a legit location. I just bought my shop, but I mean, the fire suppressants and you know all the th- firewall and all the shit that they're going to need. I didn't have any of that. So we ended up running out of a tent. So I come home right after the, the award ceremony. We pin it home. I fly home. We get going. Couldn't believe how good it went. And then um, fast forward to 2020 with the um, pandemic, people are losing their minds. All the local fireworks displays in town, the different town celebrations are canceled. So everybody's throwing their party at home. It was insane. And oh, God, you probably just went nuts that I it, dude. I, I kept ordering by the semi load and I had no place to put it. And Rachel that works with me, she's like, where are you going to put it? And I go, well, we're going to sell this before the truck gets here. And she just laughed and we did. And that's how we kept rolling. And then about July 5th, I'm like, maybe we should slow down on the ordering because the, the holiday's over, but people stuff kept pouring in and stuff. And, um, but yeah, back to the fireworks show. I, that's what we've done. Since 2017, I kind of dubbed it as the community place to get fireworks. 
And so Winterset, the, the community has really supported me. And, and, you know, we have free food down at the track and I'm going to say 1500 people. We cook for 1500 people and there's never food left, but I'm going to say probably at least 1500 people come and watch the fireworks show. And it's all stuff out of my store. And so we have good stuff, you know, we sell, we sell really good stuff and I've got my own artillery shells. Um, if they ever show up, I've got a whole container of my own shell that we designed that uh, will have my name and my face on it. It's going to be ridiculous. No way. Like oh, that, yeah. like the one that's on your helmet? Like yes, that. Yep. yes, yes. The cannonball <laughs> looking one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we got, we got, uh, I've got, actually we're, when we get done here, I'm going to the shop to uh, start making room. Cause I've got another couple semis coming this week or next. And yeah, I mean, we're in the business and, and uh, the community's been really good because we throw that fireworks show every year and we give free food. Just try to continue with what my dad did, and, you know, and being in that building where, you know, I've got a three acre field next to the, and the most prime real estate in Winterset. And I've got a three acre field I bought. And uh, that's where my motocross track was when I was a little kid. So it's it's really, I'm really, you know, I had I got an offer to sell it for a lot more than I paid for it. And I just said, no. I'm right now. I'm like, where, where would I go every day? You know, I don't yeah. want to be, I don't want to be home. So, <laughs> I don't want to be at home with my kids. I mean, I got to go somewhere. So <laughs> I just think it's rad that like, I feel like you just took like the full on motocross approach to the whole thing. Like you talk to your attorney and you know, like your accountant, you're like, get this done. And then you're just like, I mean, just the way you market it and everything. I just think it's super smart because obviously it can't hurt with having a racetrack in winter set to kind of, you know, make everybody pretty happy in the town and help them with the fireworks thing. So, I mean, that's, that certainly probably goes a long ways with the locals. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I don't know what, you know, the lo- I don't know, man. It's like they, uh, when I have an idea and I take it to them, I, I wouldn't say that I get a lot of support from the community, but when they want me to sponsor the soccer team or the chamber of commerce needs this, or they need to borrow my stage for any concert or, you know, it seems like I'm the first guy to call. So I think that's probably typical in a lot of situations. And, and I am the guy that owns a dirt bike track and I sell fireworks. So it's kind of, you know, they want me to be their friend, but they don't want to, they don't want to align themselves too much with me. Um, You know, I'm, I'm like, I've been called a pillar in the community and I've been called a pain in the ass by the same people. So, uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean the, yeah. the, as far as the, the marketing goes and stuff, you know, the motocross until recently, the motocross has never paid anything worth a crap. Like I've, when I ran the race team, you know, we did supercross. I didn't pay shit when I, I would have other gigs going on. And I worked 90 hours a week and it was like, it just, you know, the whole supercross industry is smoke and mirrors. Anybody that's close and involved in it. If you ain't on Red Bull, something or other or monster, something or other, you ain't getting any more. You're, you're, you're picking up the scraps and that's all there is. And that's yep. where we were. And we were a well-funded team in my opinion, but it just, there wasn't shit to go around. And I, uh, you know, I, 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 I finally have found a platform. And I'm t- until recently, motocross hasn't paid. Now it's starting to do really well at the track. Like, I feel like I'm finally being rewarded for my ridiculous personality, ridiculous. Like, I'm a lot of fun in small doses, you know? 
I even get sick of myself. Like I need a vacation for myself because I'm like, Jesus, I'm just an idiot. And it's like, we go on vacation. It's like, I can't wait to get home so I can act like a normal human being. And then when I get home, I get bored. And that's like, I got to go. I need to travel. I need to go ride my dirt bike. I need to do something. And, and fireworks though. Uh, I mean, it's perfect. I have a short attention span. I've got a, a, a loud personality or whatever you want to call it. So like. Never like, noticed. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, the season's five weeks. The whole, the whole season, all the money I make, I make in five weeks. And li- really I make it in about four days. So it's like, it's just like a motocross race. You hype it, you build it, you hype it, you build it, you get ready, you get ready, you ready. And it's huge, huge, huge. And then you take a nap. And it's like, and hopefully you count your money and hopefully you, you made a lot of people happy and people are stoked and nobody got hurt. I mean, that's exactly like motor. I could just be describing fireworks or motocross. So it's a really good platform. It, I'll tell you this too. It's not as easy to get into as it was even in 2017 because my competitors are, um, they're coming after me. They're coming after all them little guys. They're trying to squeeze out. Oh yeah. And I bet it's so political. It's ridiculous. Probably. Dude, it's a cutthroat deal. I've, you know, there's, there's importers that are, there's brands that if you like fireworks, you've probably heard of some of the products or maybe even their brand, their product, their, their brand name. And they, I have been saying for years, make me a customer, not a competitor. And they're like, yeah, well, we sell this much in your, in your town. And I'm like, I will order that much times two, just to, just to make you understand that I am your customer. I could be your partner and your ally, not your competitor. Cause I'm going to kick your ass all the way out of town. And every year they come back or somebody else comes back and we kick their asses. I watch cause I got a little green Honda moped and I cruise around when there's nobody in my store. And I look at their stores and their, and their tents, you know, they set yep. up tents in the parking lots of the gas station, and the grocery stores. And I'm like, and I go over and I offer the kids ice cream, you boys. And they're just like college kids, you know, I go, you guys hungry for ice cream? I'm going for ice cream. And they're like, yeah. And I tell them who I am. And so I kill them with kindness and they tell me all kinds of things. And, and it's like, you guys are wasting your time. You're not going to make a thousand bucks sitting here all week, you know? And it's like, yeah, but it's better than whatever they were doing. And so I know, but the margins are better for those guys, for the, for the manufacturer, the importers. So I understand that, but now I see that they're, they're buying brick and mortars and they're building brick and mortars in my surrounding areas. So they're coming after me and they're going to, you know, eventually, I don't know what's the future is of, of my business there, but right now it's, it's riding high for sure. Well, the old moto mindset sounds like we'll win out, you know, the, uh, your approach, like you said, I mean, you're just thinking about it completely differently than those guys. You know, you got these kids just sitting there. I've seen those around too, where it's just like, really, you're just kind of sitting in your lawn chair, just waiting for people to show up, and they probably didn't do much marketing at all. I've got, you know, that's pretty much just location. I've got two other locations that I run, uh, and I own a 40 by 80 tent, um, which Matt Byton f- uh, backflipped over a couple years ago at the Justin Brayton shootout. It was insane. In mud. I'm like, you're an idiot. You're going to get impaled and ruin my tent and also ruin yourself. He's like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. But, um, so we use that, that, that tent for events at the track, but I have a 40 by 80 
and a 30 by 60 and we chuck them things clear full of fireworks and have a semi-trailer sitting next to it. And um, a buddy of mine who's special ops for the Air Force, <laughs> he's a bad dude. He he runs one of them. And then my brother-in-law, who's an awesome guy, runs the other one. And uh, those are on major highways in town, in Des Moines. And I don't market them as mine. I don't tell anybody they're mine. Just strictly by location, they crush it. It's so good. So I understand why, you know, there's a there's one on every corner during the fourth because there's enough for there's enough to go around. I don't know why these companies are so cutthroat because oh, yeah. there's enough fireworks customers to go around. And if you give them the hookup and you re you know year number one's all right, year number two's good, year three four killer. People come in and they they want to deal with the owner, they want to deal with the the idiot with the with his face on the side of the box. And I'm, that's me. And like, it's, it's a good deal. It's fun, but it's hard to get into. Like, like it was, I got a lot of smart people that I surround myself with. I'm obviously not that guy. Do you actually live in Winterset or do you live elsewhere? Cause um, I noticed that this is kind of a cool thing that I had no idea. Winterset is the birthplace of John Wayne. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, there must be a lot of people that come to that town just for that. You know? Yeah, they, they. I live in. I live just south of Winterset, right next to the motocross track, and which is like four miles out of town, three miles out of town, something like that. And the birthplace of John Wayne. It's just this little tiny, dumpy little house that they fixed up, and then in the last ten years, they've built the the John Wayne Museum, and it's got a little movie theater in it. It's like a million dollar, two million dollar building or whatever all kinds of memorabilia that's from the movies and props and people come from everywhere. I mean, you see Japanese people and just like people from all over the world that come to this. And then we also have the bridges in Madison County, which Clint Eastwood, Meryl oh. Streep made that movie. And yeah. I was at the qualifier yesterday and I recognize this dude. Um, it's Lindsay Sheltima's family, her mom and dad and, and sister and her sister races Loretta's mm-hmm. Lindsay Sheltima is that really, really good looking chick that worked for Feld? She did. She worked for Arena Cross and then she, I think she was Miss Arena Cross or maybe she's Miss Supercross. I don't remember. But then she ran the, um, I think she ran the KTM program, the junior thing for a while or something. But um, anyway, she, uh, she, I saw her family yesterday at this qualifier and I was kind of parked across the way. So I went over to just introduce myself and, and took a picture and sent it to her you know, a selfie of me and her family. And, and uh, we got to talking and they were like, you have the track where we go to the regional. I said, yeah. And they're like, man, what a nice town. They're like, we went and saw all the bridges last year. We saw John Wayne birthplace. And to me, it's like, whatever, you know, it's just a little yeah. cover bridge you drive through. And I've seen, there's so many locals that have never been in that museum. And I don't get that. Like, why would you not? There's a lot of locals that never been to the motocross track either. So, yeah. But I try. I'm a big advocate of supporting locals. So I've been to all them things, and and uh, they were like, they were really bragging on our town about how cool it was, and and you know what a pretty town it is, and it really is. We I think we've done a good job of of keeping the you know the old school. We've got a we've got a courthouse, you know, that's 200 feet tall in the middle of the, a little town square and all the, all the little retail shops and stuff are crafty. And, and, you know, they got the national quilt museum on the square, not a big quilter, but they have, <laughs> it's a, it's a draw for old people and young people. And it's just a lot of cool stuff in town that, that I'm proud of, 
to um, be a, a, a member of the community and kind of it sounds kind of corny, but I think it's for, I'm a big fan of Wintership. No, absolutely. Like I, I think Iowa's just one of those. It's a state that I think is kind of underrated in a lot of ways because the times that I've always gone to Iowa and you know certainly can go back to our arena cross days and you know the the Jim Hickman days when I when I rode for him for a little bit and yeah but I always had such a fun time coming to Des Moines and shoot I remember like you know the old GT race bar and still there dude there. my buddy my good friend still owns it no yeah i mean I, I haven't been there in a little while i try to stay out of there honestly because once i get there i stay it's dangerous <laughs> it's dangerous the, the the it used to be the jaeger bombs now it's like i don't know what it is but yeah gt's still there big tomato pizza they used to buy my entries when i was a oh, teenager yeah. remember yes pizza? yeah so good and then there's another place called kung fu tap and taco and they're they own that ftw co it's like a t-shirt company that has really been popular you see road racers wearing all kinds of people uh, a lot of yeah. motocrossers and off-road guys and they're kind of a little different crowd but um mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a it's a neat little little town if you know what to do and where to go yeah i just remember like this is way back in i want to say it was like right when i first started working for cometic gasket and i i think i came up with some kind of reason that i had to drive to you know for the arena cross opener yeah. Yeah, in Des Moines. So, you know, I drove like all night, like on a Friday night, got there at like 10 o'clock to Hickman's house. And he's like, we're going to GT's. So we just like, we go to the bar, we stay there till it's closed Four. and then some. Yeah. Yeah. And we come home and he's got a frozen pizza and he's just like, I've never seen, never had a frozen pizza as good as the one he made. He's like throwing like a whole jar of like jalapenos on it, extra meat. And I mean, we just had this feast. And then he, Eight o'clock in the morning, he wakes me up. We're hungover as shit, and we go trail riding on the. I think it was either the Des Moines River or is was there used to be a trail on there? Is it the Rack? Uh, oh yeah, the um, Des Moines River. So it's the the urban assault is what we did. And yeah. Yes. So I and I never had street legal dirt bikes back then, you know. So I remember I borrowed an XR four hundred, and I finally got to. One time I took my RD four hundred and hung with everybody till the pipe ripped off because I was trying to cross logs and shit, but which was a bummer because that thing was cherry and I was an idiot. I didn't know what I had, but I borrowed this XR 400. And I remember we were on our way. So I was like 17. I didn't even, I never drank or not until I was old enough, but I hung out at GT from the time they opened, which was at seven, you know, 17 years old till now. Um, but I remember we were on our way to GT and we were going through bum city, which is like a homeless camp on the trail. And I never forget, man. We came out like freaking zombies, like trying to clothesline me and shit because they were pissed. And it was at, in the middle of, the, you know, it was like nighttime, 10 o'clock at night. It's dark. And and I remember I was, you know, I was hanging out with Hickman. I was really impressionable and, and like, holy shit. And I just, I remember pinning it through a crowd of guys and like they were, I mean, I was hurt, but I kept, I was scared to death. And if they didn't knock me off that bike, what would have happened? So I'm just like monster trucking over tents and all kinds of shit to get out of there. And, and we get back, we get to GT and I'm, I, everybody was just laughing at me. Cause I was like, you're not going to believe what happened. It's so much fun. And, and that trail, most of that trail is either mountain bike or, or uh, paved bicycle trails now. And yep. I'd rather deal with those bums than bicycle people. Because they will kill you. <laughs> if you get on their beloved trail that we made, 
they will kill you. And, you know, and I'm sure you got some mountain bikers that are listening that are, you know, I'm going to say I don't do it. I really don't do it. It's not, it's no fun being someplace where nobody wants you. Right. So we just don't ride that stuff anymore. But man, them were the days. Yeah. That was such a cool trail. I just remember like we rode until we literally could see the Capitol building. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, like we were that close to downtown Des Moines, you know, it was just such a cool experience, like hungover as shit, you know, just like, what is going on? Like, you know, Hickman though. I mean, he was, and I'm sure you can hang no problem, but he was just wide open from the time he woke up to the time he passed out probably, you know, dude, that's me now. I'm like, I'm not saying (laughs) I, I drink and party like that. Like I, well, I have for a long time, but like, I, uh, that's what I'm saying about my personality and being an idiot. Um, you know, it takes a special person to be with me and it takes a special, special people to hang with me. And that's why I have several different groups of friends because I'll hang out with them and I can tell, like, I think I've worn my welcome out here. I'm going to go over here and hang out with these people now. And they take and you in doses, huh? <laughs> I'm really good in small doses, man. <laughs> small small doses you don't want to you don't want to hang out with me full time so that's that's why the the fireworks thing is so good because and even the motocross like we 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 kill it you know all spring and then i'm running later than i wanted to but they asked if i do a regional again which is june 4th 5th 6th yeah. so it's like that's fireworks season for me so i've been working really hard getting my inventory sorted getting ready and that kind of thing so all we got to do is turn the lights on but I remember last year we had really good sales days while I was running the regional. I get them on my phone and I'm like, holy crap, we sold a lot of fireworks today. And I'm running a dirt bike race, you know, it's the best. But they, uh, the, you know, like I say, I got a short attention span and it's exciting for a little while. And then I went, I need to go to Baja or get away or do my own thing and, and change gears. So I don't, I have to change the scenery a lot for me to stay. Uh, to keep my attention. Well, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here, but what's your favorite Jim Hickman story slash memory? There's got to be a bit, so mm. many of them. <laughs> Man, I never, I don't even see Jim anymore. Um. <laughs> what is he doing these days? Uh, is he still like doing the? I mean, is he part of Ty Lube or did that get sold to someone else? No, no, no. He he hadn't been part of Ty Lube in 20 years. Oh. Um, yeah, he. Um, so I understand he sold, he, he started a machine shop. He just did, you know, cause he's building tie fasteners and stuff for when he, when they had atomic 22, yeah. he started machining and making titanium and, and dude, that guy was a genius with two strokes. Like he, he had, I remember we went to the, the Des Moines arena cross and Cliff Palmer showed up and he and his mechanic came over and they were looking at my KTM, which was gems. And they're like, how did you get these parts? How did you, what is this? Like, this is a factory part. I'm like, no, this is a, atomic 22 part or no this is a jim hickman part and they're like and then the stuff you would see those exact i'm not shitting you fuel injected two strokes cone pipes um stuff that like big bore stuff that you know he'd call it the the 357 magnum yes the three i wrote that thing 357 does the three todd who pulled some hole shots when it i believe it was todd and didn't we didn't tell anybody that it was a cheater motor I think it was Todd. I'm not going to say it was Todd. I'm going to say it was somebody named Todd <laughs> or the or the hoop. I'm not sure, but yeah, he he made the he made that bike and like the guy was a genius. And I mean, the KTM was horrible back then. It was as wide as my kitchen table, but boy, in a straight line, 
Ain't nobody beating me on that KTM. And and uh, he built so many cool things back in the day. Favorite story, though? Uh, Such a tough one, I bet. So what's it? What was that? Oh, so it was actually <clears throat> it was Brad Kennard and Jim Hickman. Brad Kennard has a I don't know if you know Brad, but he's he's a local beta dealer out of his house, mm. and he um, uh, really smart guy. He worked with Jim for a long time. And Brad Brad has helped me out a lot over the years. He's a good guy. Just he's really helped me out a lot, and um, he's getting old too, you know, like Jim and. But Brad was, I walked around the corner. We're getting ready to go to Cahoka. And I was loading the KTMs in the, in the back of the cube van. And, uh, we're, and I walk around the dumpster at Hickman Racing. And Brad's wiping his ass. And I'm like, it's just standing up, you know. And I'm looking and I'm like, what the heck? And he goes, you got to understand, like, I'm this small town kid that's not been around. I've never even smelled marijuana at that point, you know, which I still don't smoke it. But I've never even, like, I'm. I am been sheltered my whole life. And all of a sudden I'm hanging out with Hickman and I walk around the corner and I look at Brad and I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, listen, Wink, when you're old enough to drink, you'll understand. And I just, it like scarred me. And so I'm we're on our way down to the, to the, uh, down to Hick, uh, to Cahoka and which is this really old, cool track in Missouri that used to be open. And, and, they had four stroke nationals there and stuff. And anyway, I'm driving. So Jim's driving along and I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking about it. And Jim's like, what are you thinking about? You're so quiet. And I'm like, you're not going to believe what I saw today. I told him, I said, walk around the corner and Kennard's wiping his ass. And he goes, what? And I go, and he said, when you're old enough to drink, you'll understand. And Jim was drinking something. And he like, sp- he just spit it out and like covered the entire windshield. Just, we were just laughing and, I don't know. For whatever reason, when I think of Jim, I think it like, and he said it for years, you know, like, I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, when you're old enough to drink, you'll understand. It's just kind of a joke. <laughs> it's probably not the best Jim Hickman story, but that's the best one I'm willing to share. Yeah. So definitely the, I've got another one, but I ain't going to share it. Uh, it was, he's, he's a psychopath or at least he used to be. I don't hang out with Jim because he was a psychopath. <laughs> you just never knew what was going to happen when you were around Jim. That's what was I think was so interesting and it was good for me cuz I was always like the the shy person like oh I don't want to like you know bug bug anybody or whatever but you know Hickman I mean you just can't help it you know you're you're going to get into something you know when you're around him. So <laughs> you know I I uh, speaking of you when you're younger I I don't know if if uh people know this about your about Dale Spangler but you know, I, I was talking, I was thinking about this. I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, man, have you been on Dirt Buzz? Have you listened to Dirt Buzz lately? And I haven't listened to any podcasts. I mean, I'm literally running from machine to machine or whatever this time of year. And I'm like, no. And he goes, man, it's it's getting popular and people are really, people are really loving. I still got my Dirt Buzz t-shirt you gave me years ago, but nice. I still wear it. Yeah. It didn't fit me and then it fits me again. Um, but uh, the, yeah, I was, I was like, Man, I love Spangler. And then I, I got to thinking, I was in the skid loader of the dozer or something. I got to thinking about, like, back in the day, I don't know if people know what a badass you were on a dirt bike. Like, you're legit good and didn't want to, I didn't enjoy racing you because you had my number and I knew it. You know, them guys, you're like, he might kill me. You were that guy. Like, Jim Chester didn't like racing Jim. Jim would, would just sooner gouge your eyes out than let you beat him. And 
you weren't that way, but you were pretty gnarly dude on a dirt bike. I don't know if people know that, but I wanted to give you some accolades. You're you were a badass. Thanks. Well, I mean, ditto, man. I mean, you I was looking at your I mean, your Baja five hundred win. I was just like, holy shit, man. Like you were like you're you guys were like what forty first overall, and that's including like the trucks and everything or the the cars. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that-, I, that honestly would scare me to death. Like a doing a race like that, even though I kind of like that high speed these days. You know, like when I had like, the adventure bikes I've had, that was part of the allure for me was that high speed drifting. And but I just can't imagine. Yeah. You know, Baja to me is like just such a different planet to where. Yeah, I mean, no one can take that oh. away from you, man, because that's impressive. Baja, thanks. Baja is is a different world. Like you said, it's, it's probably, you know, you get down to San Felipe and something like that. It's the worst place in the world to ride. And then you get to like, and the trucks have completely ruined the place. And I mean, it is those trophy trucks, dude, the, the, the whoops used to be like, you just kind of, you know, back at like desert racing. I, I moved to Arizona when I was a teenager to jump sand dunes at, at uh, Glamis and ended up hooking up with this guy that raced he was a Kawasaki team green guy, an old guy, but he was team green support. And we would, we would go out and pound whoops. And he's like, God dang, you're good at this. You need to desert race. So I desert race for a while. And I'm telling you, let's go. You want some whoops? I'm <laughs> at 50, at 55 mile an hour. Yeah. I'm in, let's go. But now they, the whoops are like, you could literally hide a Volkswagen in between them and not see it. And you're still going pretty darn fast. And there's these rocks the size of your head hidden that are sticking out, you know, maybe four inches out of the silt. But when you plow through them, they buck you. Oh, man. And it's gnarly. So, but then you get on like on the Pacific side where there's, you know, I mean, like there's nothing better than vacationing and riding in Baja. And you should go with this sometime. I'm telling you, it will be the favorite thing you've ever done in your life on two wheels. I promise. It'll be the best. Definitely on my bucket list for sure. Well, I go four times a year and I'm telling you, you should, we didn't this year cause the border was shut, but when things get normal this next year and the, and the following, you should go because the racing is stressful. You know, I was, I was pre-running for the thousand in 2019 uh, in the, in November of 2019, I went down there and there was the Yamaha team that we beat. That was, they were, they, uh, they wanted to put me on their team because we smoked their ass. And so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I get down there and I really wasn't in good shape, but I figured I could, it's a team race. You know, how hard is it? I could, I could do this. I wasn't in that good of shape when we did the, fu- when we won the 517, really, you know, looking back at how good a shape yeah. I was in 19 after Loretta's. So I figured I can do this. Well, I, uh, we just done. I I opted to take the San Felipe side, which is stupid, gnarly, terrible. And my buddy Tyler was chasing me on a 600 or XR650, and I was on my YZ450FX, which is my which was my pre runner. It was it's a bike I've had for a while for the 500, but it's still you know we redid it and it's nice. And we go down there and um, we just get out of the sand whoops, and it was so gnarly. And Tyler's like, we're fueling up. There's these Mexicans that were lined up to, to these locals to, to uh, fuel the bike. And they had some tacos and we're eating. And Tyler's like, how are you going to race that at speed? And I go, 
that was that was at speed, dude. That's all you just survive it. You know, you just you just keep hammer down about third gear and just survive it. And there's all kinds of tricks. That's the thing, like there's all kinds of tricks. You find a sand wash that's 60 feet or 200 feet, uh, an eighth of a mile. As long as you hit the VCPs, the virtual checkpoints, anything's legal. You have to hit those VCPs. And your bike, will, it'll send a signal that if you miss it, you're docked a lot. So you do, you, do your pre, you do your due diligence before the event, and you find your VCPs. And then you go back and you try to find the sweet lines. You know, like, is there a sand? Yeah. yeah, you find the sweet lines. You may go hit a VCP, turn around, go down a fence line, which is what we did. We go down a fence line about a quarter mile and then hit a sand wash and go 100. And you're past, I mean, you'll lose a minute, two, three to get to it, but you'll make up 15. And so that's the scary shit about these sand washers, right? And so that's exactly what I was doing. We found this line. We looked at maps. We talked to the locals. So we went down and we was practicing this. We just got done doing that. We just filled up and got tacos and everything. And I'm like, all right, let's go run the sand wash. And we get down about, there's this area where it's split in three ways. And I hit a coyote. Oh, and it bucked me. And I, and I was back to not being in great shape. I was sitting down. You don't sit down in Baja. You just don't. Because you hit a, you hit a rock or something or whatever. The thing's going to buck and you got to be ready. I hit this coyote and feet flying W for like, I mean, like two, three school bus lengths. And I'm like, I'm, and so like, I'm still, now I'm on the seat and looking, you know, I'm, I'm looking level with the ground and I'm like, for a long ways, I ran this, this front wheel. And I'm like, is this thing going to, is this thing going to get me or not? I mean, I thought that. And as soon as I thought that, bang, it flipped over, bike got me, Mm. um, broke my back. And, um. So I rehab. It was a bad deal. I had to ride out of there because there was nowhere else. Luckily, the bike started, and I show up. So the 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 sand wash split through. Ace Tyler didn't see me. He I heard him ride on by me, and I'm laying there like I think I'm dead. You know, and I ride. I hear him go by me, and I'm like, oh god, now I have to ride this thing. So I did a lot of praying. <laughs> I got on the motorcycle, took off. I'm I'm smoked. The bike smoked. I mean, plastic is busted off. You never see anything like this on a bike that still ran got down to the where they're all waiting and they're like oh man are you good and i go i gotta get out of here well you go left and you got about 10 miles of those whoops and rocks or you turn right and you got 10 miles of smooth but you're not going to make it you're not going to have enough fuel to get and that smooth takes you to the highway you're going to get to the highway and you're going to be however far you're going to be until you're you're stuck and you're waiting on somebody to come just happen by with gas and I'm like, that's where I'm going. I can't ride. So I rode down, ended up on a highway. And um, luckily, these these guys showed up on a side-by-side that had a bunch. They were pre-running. And I, you know, they were Mexican fellows. And I asked them, you guys speak English? And they're like, we're from San Diego. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I said, can you, can you help me? I, I have money. And they're like, you don't need any money, but you need a doctor. And I go, yeah, I'm in bad shape. So I ended up riding to this bar and having tequila till they got me out of there. Wow. And they, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, people, you want, make Baja your bucket list, but don't make racing your bucket list. It's for, it's for psychopaths that are, 
that have grown up down there and know it. And I'm not saying if the opportunity didn't come again to do our own thing, if a team calls me, I'm probably not interested unless it's like some sweet deal, you know, but I ain't starting. I'm not doing the start and I'm not, I'm not riding San Felipe at speed and I'm not, you know, there's a whole bunch of things I'm not going to do, which makes me not very desirable to a team. And I vacation. Yes, it is the best I've ridden. I've ridden from, from the border all the way to Cabo San Lucas. I've done all them things, all the things you want to do I've done in Baja and it's going away. And so if you want to do Baja, I'm telling you, your days are, your years are numbered. How to really enjoy it the way we've done it without having to ride on the road. You better get it done. But racing, you don't want to do that. Yeah, for sure. Like I think racing for me, honestly, I'm 52 now, you know, so it's sort of like, I think that competitive thing, I've lost it, but to go to a place like Baja and just purely enjoy it from that more leisure, you know, perspective and stop and eat tacos on, you know, go to the beach and ride on the beach and all that cool stuff that I've seen through the years. I mean, that sounds absolutely amazing. So hope to join you there. one. I wrote an eight, I wrote an eight mile wheelie on the Pacific coast. (laughs) The tide was low and it like the I would ride down almost to the waves, almost to the water to where it like it's wet and it's nice, like almost like rat dragging your brake. So I was just sitting there, just like uh, on a wheelie, and I'm like, <laughs> "This is the best! It was the coolest thing ever." And eight mile wheelie on a 450 Yamaha is a long ways, and I didn't get tired. My art wrist wouldn't get tired because it was just just like you were just cruising down the highway. It was so cool, dude. I, and Valley de Trinidad. Best taco stand in the world. It's so much fun. I and it's beautiful. It's it's if you see those videos where Red Bull has they call it single track and the you wonder how a trophy truck could get through there. We ride down that thing and then and it's all desert and dry and, and you know ugly. And as soon as you pop over the hill, there's a river that goes through it. It's all green and and it's like like an oasis. You know you're going down for cervezas and and tacos and it's like Dude, it's the best. I'm telling you, El Parate, another place. If that place was in in California, you'd first of all the the view would be ruined by condos and whatever else around there. But it's just it's way up on this high bluff, and you're overlooking these the breaks on the ocean, and the food is is just incredible. It takes forever because they may actually have to go to the market to get the food <laughs> if they're not expecting you. But you just drink beer and eat chips and hang out, and it's. My buddy Juan has a place there that we go to on Highway One that that uh, I can borrow Juan's. It, it's uh, the best micheladas you ever. A lot of this sounds like it revolves around drink, drinking beer, but it's not that and way. And food, but I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, good with it all. The best, the best. <laughs> Dude, I know you like those IPAs and stuff, though. You know, I had to actually had to I had to stop drinking. You know, so it's kind of oh. crazy to think that, but you know, I just was tearing me up anymore like my whole system and just it does i think i might have actually a la- allergy to like hops or something because it just got to the point it's, yeah, as much as i love them i just can't drink them anymore that shit you drink though man <laughs> i remember hanging out with you at the western power sports shows and stuff and it's like this smells like perf this smells like a, a like fat lady perfume <laughs> like an old fat woman's body spray <laughs> i love that fat woman's body spray <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Believe me, I've been around a few. I know. Yeah, funny. <laughs> well, Tony, uh, man, always a fun time talking with you. Um, I wish you nothing but success with your racetrack, and uh, 
you're doing some Thank cool you. stuff out there and um anything else you want to share before we wrap this episode up um tell us a little bit more about this verge uh verb shred tour that's coming up and uh yeah what you got going on um you said you got the justin brayton event coming up again the second annual i guess it would be and um yeah, good stuff. No, no, we've had this thing for like oh, five. Oh, five, that's now. right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of it's last just, year because it was so big last year. But Yeah, it's just finally growing legs. Actually, the so the Verb thing's this coming weekend. I don't know when this will air, but it, I think it'll be after that. But um, the, the Verb thing is just going to be a two-day practice, basically. Uh, we're going to run it like a practice. A lot of cool stuff, though. You know, Verb, those guys are, are uh, you know, they're, they're a lot more – cutting edge than small town tony so they they are bringing a lot of cool stuff they're bringing their giant projector and they're going to show some old movies we're going to do our pit bike races we have this flying ryan is this uh kid that we're buddies with that he has this whole mob of pull start mini bikes things yeah i saw that it's good so he's uh so he he's bringing a bunch of dudes and uh and he's just he's a black guy with dreads and there's we're in iowa so he sticks out like you know, like everybody knows flying Ryan. He even, he even hustles the people at the gate and says, I'm the entertainment tonight. And my brother-in-law was running the <laughs> gate and he fell for it. And I'm like, dude, take Ryan's money next time. You got to get the money. But <laughs> that's uh, good. So and I just, yeah. And I just laugh, but um, he's like, he looked like a rock star when he came in. I'm like, he kind of is, but I still want his 20 bucks. So, but uh, Ryan, Ryan has these, these pole start mini bike things and they're going to come in. And I heard there's a freestyler coming. I don't know. Um, we've got this enduro cross straight rhythm thing that I'm going to go finish building this afternoon. And it's going to be a, just a time thing. And it's absolutely going to be crashes, but I know a half a dozen guys that'll send it that are motocross guys that shouldn't send it, but they will. Um, so we got that. And then it's just two days of practice. It's going to be really fun. And then um, May 14, 15, 16, it's a Friday practice. It's a featured event today, May featured event. So you get number one plates, I think there's like eight of them in the U S or something or 10 of them. And this is one of them. So, um, we're going to do that for Justin Brayton. I, I believe Ryan Dungey's coming and I'm going to ask McAdoo if he'll come. I heard, I was just talking to somebody yesterday at the race. They said, what about the Martins? They're going to be training in, in uh, Millville. So if they're close, you know, they're only a few hours away. I'm going to ask, I'll call Alex and Jeremy, see if they'll come down. And but, I, but Dungey said he's coming. Brayton's coming. Of course. Um, it's it, it, it we have we paid i paid out 20 grand last year in, in pro purse so and it was a pro-am so like we get legit dudes oh, yeah. that come down here and race you know ben lemay he got ben lemay got beat i mean there's marshall wilton there's there's um a lot of guys that train at club mx full time and people from all over the country that that came and raced this thing so we got that going for uh in may and then the last week or the first weekend in june is is our regional qualifier for Loretta's. And then, then it's fireworks season for me. And then hopefully I'm pseudo shaped to finish out the, the month of July training for Loretta's and go make a run at the plus 40 class. Hopefully I'm healthy. Awesome. Well, I think you'll be a contender, you know, by the sounds of it. So don't, uh, don't sell yourself short on that, but I, th- I think you got a chance for the title this year, buddy. I don't know. I'm not going to get the title, but if I, <laughs> if I could, if I get top eight, like i did last time that'd be cool but somebody asked me a while back places you get at loretta's and i'm like i think seventh and i look and i'm at the trophy and i go nope i get eight <laughs> so eight sucks fifth top five is cool top 10 everybody's like you got a top 10 i'm like 
yeah, but it's the 40 class. How hard can it be? You know? Yeah. I just, I had three good motos down there and you know, there's guys that were faster that just had shitty motos and I didn't. And then the last race, dude, it was like 7 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. They had watered. They had watered like it was a rain out for local tracks. And I'm stoked. I put roll-offs on. I'm like, let's go. I freaking, you know. Just hold it wide. Yes, pinned. I had it. I started, I started like 10th or something and worked my way up to six. And it was just freaking awesome. It was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and you know what? You know who cares about the plus 40 class? The guys in the plus 40 class. Oh, yeah. Nobody else. Not even my, not even people in my own house here. Give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame them. Uh, that's awesome. Tony, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, one of these days, I still would love to come out and see you out there and visit your track. I know you've invited me several times. And our our, our mutual buddy, Bob Lowry, has told me numerous times about some of the good times he's had out there with you at your racetrack. And um, so hopefully I'll make it out there sooner than later. Yeah, I just saw Bob at Loretta's last week. He is just a class act. I love that guy. Yep, so good dude. Hopefully he can get you out. And I, I'd like you to come during an event, but I'd also like you to come when there's nothing going on so we can go ride dirt bikes yeah. and just hang out. And have be fun. fun. I'll take you to all them, all the old haunts, GT, Kung Fu, Big Tomato, all that place. Be fun. Go hit some Urban Assault, the ones that we can still hit without getting arrested. Yep. Sounds like an absolute blast. Well, thanks again. That's about it for this episode. Remember to be kind to each other, listen to good music, enjoy life on two wheels, and keep the buzz rolling. Thanks for listening. Hey there, two-wheel enthusiasts. It's Dale Spangler, host of The Dirt Buzz. Before we start this episode, I wanted to ask if you would consider becoming a patron of The Dirt Buzz. For as little as $3 per month, you'll help keep the buzz rolling by helping me cover costs associated with producing and hosting this show, such as recording software and equipment, hosting fees, and other administrative costs. The buzz is just getting started, and with your support, I'll continue to bring you weekly episodes featuring the many fascinating people in the world of power sports and the sport of motorcycling as a whole. Head over to patreon.com forward slash dirtbuzz right now, or look for the support the show link at the bottom of each podcast episode description. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting the Dirt Buzz. Enjoy this episode.